grace and peace, and welcome to another episode of Your Week with St. Luke's, our weekly podcast at St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Orlando. It's our hope that these podcasts will be an opportunity for, for each of you to take a deeper dive into the text for the week ahead, as we all seek to learn, live, love, and lead our lives in and through the grace and love of Jesus Christ. My name is Jad Denmark, and I'm one of the pastors at St. Luke's, and I'm so glad that you have joined us for this episode. Our theme for 2024 is purposeful. All year long, we're looking how to live more purposeful, purposefully in the vision that God has given us uh, for, for this local church, St. Luke's. And right now, we're in a, a teaching and preaching series called Life on Purpose, Lessons from Lasso. The first week was Life on Purpose, A Relational Life. And week two was Be Curious, Not Judgmental. Last week was Life on Purpose is a Forgiving Life. And this week's lesson is Believe. On Sunday, uh, we, will look, we will be looking at Mary Magdalene in the Gospels. Uh, in Luke, she's introduced to us as a woman who Jesus heals. Um, and the other Gospels introduce her as among the other women and as one of the disciples who are women who, who follow Jesus. In first century Palestine, a Jewish woman, or really a woman at all, would not be high on the hierarchy of social status. Yet Mary Magdalene is, is a prominent character in the Gospels. John, the fourth Gospel, where our text is today, introduces Mary later in his Gospel and yet still has her playing an important role. She seems to be someone of great faith, of great belief, and an important stature in the early church. Well, in our primary text, is from John chapter 20, verse 11 through 18. Hear these words from the Common English Bible translation. Mary stood outside near the tomb, crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they put him. As soon as she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and tell them I'm going up to my father and your father, to my God and your God. 
Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. Well, a lot of observations we can make here. John is rich and filled, as I mentioned last week, with callbacks um, and, and little glances of things that have already been said. John, as a gospel writer, recalls and remembers what, what was written earlier and, and, is, and is pointing back to those things. But at first, it's important to recognize that this section, this pericope of Scripture, verse 11 through 18, sits in a, in a larger pericope, right, of John 20. 11 through 18 kind of sits really in the middle of, of this story that's happening. And just like in the other Gospels, the first visit to Jesus' tomb, the scene happens early on the first day of the week while it was still dark. That is, it is early on Sunday morning, the first day of the week. And that is why Christians worship on Sunday and not the Sabbath, Friday night, Saturday, is because we worship on the first day of the week, the day of resurrection. Well, in the, in the Synoptic Gospels, Mary Magdalene is accompanied by other women. But here in John, Mary comes alone. Dr. Gail O'Day rightfully points out, and I want to take a minute and, and spend some time here, she points out the importance of distinguishing the gospel portrayal of Mary Magdalene from the tradition that developed about her in the patristic and medieval periods. You see, there is no biblical foundation for the popular portrait of Mary Magdalene as a sinful woman or as a prostitute. It is nowhere in Scripture. Instead, in verse 18, Mary Magdalene is the first disciple to proclaim the good news of resurrection. She is the first preacher of Jesus' resurrected, the resurrected Lord. One of the most important messages of Christianity in the Christian church, she is the first creature of it. That is biblical. Also, recent scholarship has given us a deeper understanding of who Mary called Magdalene was to the earliest church. There's this great scholar, Mary Elizabeth Schrader Pulser, uh, from Duke Divinity School, uh, who, who is a brilliant New Testament scholar and whose research and writing focuses on uh, the fourth gospel, John, and specifically Mary within the fourth gospel. Uh, Dr. Schrader Polzer uh, points out, along with, with other scholars, that Magdalene, as a descriptor, Magdalene describing uh, where Mary is supposedly from, the, the origins in her city called Magdala, it doesn't stand up to examination. There's, there's no data that points to this. Even further, research by uh, the doctor, Dr. Mary Ann Beavis and Dr. Ali uh, Katzes uh, has, has brought even more clarity. Dr. Be uh, Beavis notes, no place named Magdala is mentioned in the earliest manuscripts of the New Testament 
or in other contemporaneous writings, other contemporary writings that are, that are around in that time and from that region. In fact, the location now referred to as Magdala in modern Israel was not called that until the 5th or 6th century. It's called that after all of this time. And yet, in contrast to that, Mary is referred to in the third century by uh, Hippolytus as apostle to the apostles. It seems the earliest church lifted Mary up. It's still another narrative that is unbiblical and negative about Mary remains. It's a more accurate descriptor, Magdalene, when we think of her character. Magdalene as a descriptor of her character. Magdalene as quite possibly a, a nickname that she was given, just as Peter was called the rock. His name means the rock, but he was also called the rock. Peter the rock, Petra, Petra, the rock. See, Magdal means tower in Hebrew, or stronghold, a high strong wall, a foundational watchtower is more accurate to what that means in Hebrew. Mary is the toweress, the stronghold of discipleship, the toweress of faith, the stronghold of belief. This is a more biblically accurate and a more linguistically accurate description of Mary, who, if we get back to our text and we, we skip to verse 11, is reintroduced in a, in a bit of an abrupt fashion. She's introduced at the beginning in verse 1 and 2, and then we have this interlude where, where Peter and the other disciples are running ahead. And, and then in verse 11, she's reintroduced in this, this abrupt fashion as she returns then to the tomb. The way the Greek is written here, um, it's as if the attention is being, being brought back to Mary and away from Peter. He's gotten enough attention, hasn't he? So we can once again uh, see the resumption, the re re return of this traditional account of Mary the Magdalene's discovery of the empty tomb with a few distinctive Johannine notes that we can point out here. One of which is John is the only gospel in which Mary weeps at the tomb. In fact, there are repeated references to her weeping in verse 11, verse 13, and in verse 14, which recalls Jesus' words in chapter 16, verse 20, when he says, Very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world Will rejoice. And now the stage is set for the fulfillment of Jesus' promise in verse six, chapter 16, verse 22. So you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one 
will take your joy from you. See, again, John is is continuing to, to paint a picture and point us back to something. It's interesting that the angels here in John, they don't make an Easter proclamation. Their comments are a response. They draw attention to this grief that Mary is experiencing, these tears that have, have come out of Mary's eyes. They're responding to her grief. And in fact, Jesus does as well. Woman, why are you crying? And they don't, the angels are paying attention to her grief. They're not announcing resurrection. The announcement of the significance of the resurrection here in John, it belongs to Jesus as he proclaims it in 17 and 18. It's not for an angel to proclaim. Jesus makes the statements here in John. And in these statements, Dr. Gail O'Day, getting back to her, she notes that verse 14 through 18 is the, the dramatic and theological heart of this story. There is tension in these verses. There's, there's, we're aware of something, but Mary isn't, right? We as the readers, we know what Mary doesn't know, that the person she sees in front of her is Jesus. And Jesus questions her. And in doing so, he's reinforcing the drama of this mistaken identity. Why are you crying? Who, 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 right? What's going on here? He doesn't sound like a gardener. So one could say that Mary's response is, is quite logical. This interaction, it's also an example of, a, of what happens in, in a lot of Johannine literature. It's, it's misunderstanding. A theme that happens is misunderstanding. Dr. C.K. Barrett notes that this is the supreme example of this literary device of misunderstanding. Dr. Barrett, uh, Bar Barrett says, it is not a metaphor that is misunderstood, but it is Jesus himself who is mistaken. And it's an opportunity for a revealing. That's what the motif does. There's mistaken and there's revealing. There's I don't know and now I know. And Jesus' question, who are you looking for? It works on a, on a number of levels. One level is the, it's the plot line. And it, it could be interpreted as, as Mary does, as pertaining to Mary's search for Jesus' body. Where have you taken it? But this question that, that, that Jesus asks, who are you looking for? is the first words spoken by Jesus in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 38. They are Jesus' words to the first people who seek him at the beginning of his ministry. And they are the words to the first person who seeks him after the resurrection. It's a note that the beginning of Jesus' ministry is an invitation to discipleship. And the beginning of his resurrection is an invitation to discipleship. Discipleship and belief. Belief 
and following. In verse 16, we have Mary finally recognizing Jesus. Mary turned toward Jesus once before in verse 14, but Jesus speaking her name seems to enable her to finally recognize him. And she responds with the Aramaic word, Rabboni, Rabboni. It seems to be an intimate, personal address, a, a form of, of endearment. The word for, for rabbi, which is teacher and master, she says, Rabboni. This exchange between Jesus and Mary reveals him as the good shepherd who knows his sheep by name, and they respond to his voice. And the promised transformation from weeping and pain to joy has now been fulfilled through the word and the presence of Jesus. It's this magnificent moment of revealing from misunderstood to awareness of not seen and seen, of confusion and clarity. Well, in verse 17, it contains the first command of the risen Lord, the first commandment from the risen Christ. And it's a prohibition. Do not hold on to me, Jesus says. Now, this is a present imperative so this may mean a prohibition either on an action already in progress, Mary's already holding him, or an intention to act, that Mary, Jesus is perceiving her beginning to, to grab a hold of him. And it, it may be important to note that this doesn't seem to be a prohibition in, in general terms. Don't touch the resurrected body. After all, in verse 27, Jesus invites Thomas to, to touch him, his, his hands and in his side. But it seems to be a, a very specific prohibition against holding on to Jesus at this moment, inferring with the unfolding of the events of the hour at, at hand. You see, the the promised ascension and glorification of Jesus is really important in John's gospel, the fourth gospel. And so it seems to me that there's a, hey, it's not quite done yet. So don't hold on. Not quite yet. Well, next in verse 17, Jesus gives a, a second command. Jesus commands Mary, Mary the Magdalene, the stronghold, the fortress, to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus, resurrected and ascended. Not the promise of a future post-resurrection appearance. You see, he says, I have not gone yet to the Father, but tell them I am going to my father and your father. The ascension is happening next. And so Jesus commands Mary Magdalene, the stronghold, to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus' ascension, not that promise of future post-resurrection appearance. In announcing his ascension to God, 
It is also the announcement of the completion of his glorification that is so important in John's gospel. This distinctive identity now in Jesus as the Son of Man lived, taught, died, resurrection, resurrected, and ascended. His return to the Father is a great moment and occasion in the Johannine community for rejoicing. And Mary Magdalene, Mary the Taurus, Mary the stronghold of faith is to proclaim this joyful news. She believes and calls others to belief. Well, I wonder how this text speaks to you. It may be a text that you've heard many a times before, but I pray it'll, it'll, it'll speak to you in a new and a fresh way. We read it every few Sundays at, on Resurrection Sunday. But I wonder what it means to you today as we think about the lesson from Lasso and Believe. Mary, a, a woman, a Palestinian Jewish woman in the first century, on the lower stratus of society. Luke telling us she was healed from evil spirits, even lower in society, who has this miracle done to her and she faithfully follows Jesus, supporting his ministry, caring for him and all of the others, seeing him die on the cross and how her belief must have been shaken. But yet she is already called the Magdalene, the stronghold. And she, she moves from confusion and mistaken to clarity, from tears to joy. Mary, the stronghold of faith, to be the first one to proclaim the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus Christ, our Lord. What does that mean for you? How you are called, called not only to proclaim the good news of God's love in Jesus Christ, the good news of, of resurrection, of glorification of, of God in Jesus, but also that you are capable of doing that. No matter how society or, or yours like my insecurities might say that you aren't worthy, that you too, you too are a stronghold of faith. You too can be someone who in the midst of such devastation of death, everything else falling apart, can be one who in the midst of tears finds the great joy in the resurrected Lord and be a proclaimer of belief grace and peace. I hope you have a blessed week, beloved friends, as you discuss and pray over this text. And we'll see you on Sunday as we get our last, last lesson from Lasso.